0: the story of a woman who's done it because interestingly Savita even research shows that if a girl has a relatable role model like the the probability of her uh, pursuing her passion and her career increases by 70 percent so that's like a huge jump in having all these women enter into the workforces and pursue their passions.
1: Hello and welcome to the Success with Savita podcast, where we share hot tips on how to do life and business without losing your mind. I'm your host, Savita Nanjapa, entrepreneur, high-achieving 9-to-5-er turned transformational success coach, helping you create a wildly successful business. Come hang out with me and other fabulous humans like you every week for stories and chats packed with a healthy dose of tips, resources, how-tos, and real talk. Side effects may include a happier and more confident you with each passing day. Hi, and welcome to the Success with Savita podcast. Joining me today on the podcast is Nishtha Anand, my guest, who is an author of the recently just published book, Awakening the Rainmaker, A Guide to Gender Equality, which has been published by Bloomsbury, which is the global publishing giant of the Harry Potter series, A little bit about Nishta before we dive into the interview where she delves into the status of gender equality in India and also shares uh, handy tips for not just individuals, but for parents and for organizations on uh, creating gender equality in the workplace. She is an author and a professional with close to a decade of experience in investment banking and strategy, having worked across India and Singapore. She's a Delhi University gold medalist and holds an MBA from IIFT, the Indian Institute of Foreign Trade, New Delhi. The book includes a collection of brilliant insights from some of India's most powerful women in business, CEOs, CMOs, entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs, investors, Padma Award-winning scientists, mathematicians, leading sports personalities and digital influencers. The book focuses on requisites for a gender-neutral upbringing and women's assertive demeanor. It also defines corporate policies and outlines a framework to establish a gender-neutral ecosystem in organizations. To devise the framework, she spoke to a number of diversity experts from some Fortune 500 companies which are doing well in this domain. The book is a practical handbook on gender equality at the workplace and in life for individuals and organizations. Join me as we talk to her, not just about the book and uh, gender equality, but also her process and how she approached the book writing process. Hi, and welcome to the Success with Savita podcast. Joining me today, my guest, Nishtha Anand. Uh, I'm very excited to bring you on because uh, here are two things. One is, uh, I think the book writing process is very challenging and it's something that I want to get to eventually. So congratulations on your book. And I love your topic. I think it's such a great topic and I'm looking
0: forward to our chat today. Thank you, Savita. Thank you so much. I'm equally excited to be on the show. Yeah, welcome. So let's dive right in. I like to get right off the bat.
1: Share with us your story so far. And what was the genesis for your book, for you starting to write this book, the why Sure.
0: So uh, my book is called Awakening the Rainmaker and it's on gender equality uh, in life for individuals and organizations. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what, why the reason why my wiring is like that. But even as a kid, I've always been very... Uh, 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 I've always been uh, very aware of gender equality and inclusion maybe it's to do with the fact that I grew up in a household which has been predominantly feminine because uh, it's just me and my sister and even as kids you know we would notice some people telling our parents oh the family would have been complete had you had a son. Or even as a kid, I've always been very academically bright, like I've been through and through a gold medalist. And people would, you know, tell our parents, wow, she's so smart. She's like a son. And it would really confuse me that why is it that my achievements make me worthy of a son? why am I like why am I not like a brilliant daughter you know what I mean like even when I be, I started my career in an industry which people swoon for investment banking there again the moment I became financially independent people were like wow you know she's just like a son you're not missing anything out so that was always that itch was always there in me and I could always see even in the most like highest of places i'm an mba and the gender ratio was as bad as one is to ten even in the most premier of institutes and when i started my career i would see that there are not many uh, women at senior positions especially in investment banking there's a term Called rainmaker. Even my title is motivated by that. So a rainmaker is somebody in the banking industry, somebody who has a lot of clout, who is very confident. Uh, you know, is handling a very meaty portfolio, uh, controlling good PNL and stuff. And I would say there are not many women rainmakers. And I switched two organizations after that. I have worked on transformation and strategy projects across Asia the story was same everywhere i would end up being more often than not the only woman in the boardroom the others one the other people you know handling operational departments like an hr legal operations and stuff like that and that itch was always there I'm like wow where are all the women like where where is that xx chromosome where is it missing Mm -hmm. and then three years back I was pregnant for the first time my husband and I were very happy of course but then at the same time I was very overwhelmed and I decided okay let me do all the reading because I want to continue with my career uninterrupted of these personal milestones and you'll be surprised Savita there is not much written from an Indian woman point of view because we are in a very peculiar situation we have to tread parallelly with parents in-laws spouse if you're working then there is a whole lot of corporate stakeholders like your hr leadership your juniors your peers your boss what will they think and i said boss okay i'm not going to wait till 60 years of age i want to correct this now and that's when the idea for this book came along that i want to write something very practically for the indian women only because i'm not trying to make a revolution ki you know everybody can leave their houses mm. and just you know try to be in the name of equality no in this book i have tried to come up with very practical hacks to be able to enable women to continue with their careers uninterrupted of all these personal milestones of marriage motherhood mm. and also the most important thing which is often not said But I want to make women come out of that frame of, you know, multitasking divas all the time. Otherwise, you won't be able to achieve if you have that mindset all the time. So this book also focuses on a very important aspect, the role of other people in ensuring gender equality, be it your organization, be it your family, and how a woman needs to assertively demand that support without shortchanging herself, like stop pressurizing yourself because of your gender. so that's the story of the book I mean it's a great
1: story and I resonate with you because I again come from a family of three sisters and everybody was um you know including my mother for a long time and I'm sure she still will say that she wishes she had a son right and everyone's like oh we wish you had a son and yeah i i resonate with that and i think your book is what you're saying is it's a practical handbook for when they are transitioning and having all of these other personal milestones as well that is happening so they don't have to give up on on their career and i think what you say about multitasking is so true we try to do it all and somehow you're like you get a you know i i was listening to this um podcast yesterday and they said uh, daily stoic he was saying don't try to be like b and a plus in some things versus being right. a b in uh getting a b grade and so many things and i think Ooh. that's something that we do wearing multiple hats so okay so congratulations on your book of course so what i want to know is when you were writing this book your book has insights from leaders personality right. influencers all of them what are one two stories that you listen to that stand out for you during
0: this yeah. process so yes yeah, so that that is actually a very important aspect of the book because i wanted it to be most practical as possible and i also because the lack of brain makers that i faced I, I wanted the like you know the next generation or even our younger generation to not face that so you name a field and i tried to bring forth the story of a woman who's done it because interestingly savita even research shows that if a girl has a relatable role model like the cha- the probability of her uh, pursuing her passion and her career increases by 70% so that's like a huge jump in having all these women enter into the workforces and pursue their passions. So for instance, I've interviewed uh, Padma Shri winning scientists, world renowned mathematicians, digital influencers, content creators, CEOs of course, CMOs, entrepreneurs, investors, everybody. I've just tried to cover the whole gamut of awesome women out there and each of their stories were very beautiful. They Everyone had a very different thing to offer but to highlight a few, I think one I would like to highlight is the story of Zia Modi. Mm-hmm. Now she is the world-renowned corporate lawyer of course and uh, For a decade, she has been the most powerful woman in business in India, as per the fortune rankings. Mm -hmm. And she started her career at the age of uh, uh, in in 80s, she started practicing law in in the 80s. And she was very candid and open about, you know, all these limitations. Like she said, you know, I was among the only two women in a courtroom, Mm -hmm. which meant that I was like an animal in a zoo. These were his her words. Exactly. And people were noticing me. So I just couldn't afford to go wrong, which meant that if uh, some uh, a male counsel was spending, let's say, two hours on a brief, I was spending five hours on it because I just had to be correct. And I, I had to be smart. I couldn't afford to look stupid in front of people. Mm-hmm. So that's the kind of pressure she had back then. And on top of it, she has raised three daughters and the the same point, you know, around delegation, this is what even she mentioned that she was able to achieve all this because she was very practical in her approach. She relied a lot on her mother-in-law and her husband. Who would, you know, work around their calendars to be with the girls so that their upbringing is not compromised. So I think this is the most important takeaway, which now even I relate to as a new mother and which through this even podcast, I would like to tell all the women out there, start questioning the status quo. Just because you're in that Indian society and you've been brought up with that mindset that, you know, raising kids is totally your responsibility. No, it took two to create a baby and it will take two to raise a baby. So start delegating and, you know, stop being guilty about it. Zia has been able to achieve that position because she was practicing. Practical around these things she would always spend quality time with the kids but she knew that somebody had to step in when she was busy in the court Mm -hmm. and today her daughters are you know well to do and they are well-rounded people and they are leading much fuller lives because they they could see their mom doing it all and they could see a very a marriage of equals at uh, you know at home and not just this, the way Zia is now embodying this in her organization is just brilliant. AZB and Partners has among the best uh, ratio of, you know, senior partners as women, which is a great thing to do. And she's very practical in terms of what women lawyers in her firm want. Like, for instance, she's like, you know, I have very bespoke conversations with people. She's cognizant of the fact that diversity cannot be, you know, a, a one fit fits all kind of an approach you cannot do that so for instance let's say if a particular senior partner requested her that the cabin next to mine can be converted into a little nursery for my kid I can get my nanny so that I can keep an eye she did that she's like as long as the firm is able to deliver on these supportive mechanisms we do it because there's no harm in supporting women through their you know these pockets when they need support So that then they are the long, like long-term like long committed and happy employees. Just imagine the kind of value they can create for the organization and for the country as a whole. Yeah. So I think I found her to be the gold standard in equality and very practical and very common sense things that she's been doing. Yeah. Uh, I think I love the story because you're saying it's not just
1: a, like a buzzword because diversity is now, today, a kind of a buzzword for a lot of organizations. It's also like right. that you know must do tick mark checklist kind of thing that we do we are also into diversity so it's uh, heartening to hear these stories as well and uh, I know because I I I can I can I can think about how I wish I had had the same support because I actually had to be on bed rest uh, when I was pregnant uh, when I was in my sixth month and there was no option right I had to use all my leave and then I quit after my baby delivered because there wasn't any option of flexi working but you know if I think now today's pandemic world we are all working online and True. it wouldn't have my work wasn't even such where I needed to be out and moving so it's you know I, I can totally relate to the story and I think it's amazing to know when you do the book and when you read you see people just on the outside but you know you get to know so yeah. much deeper about what they do in their organization so what have you observed uh, nishta as um, gaps that we have today in organizations around right. the gender neutral ecosystem because like i said it's a buzzword so what according to you in your during hmm. your research uh, what have you observed are like
0: these key gaps that we must we we are not talking about or we must fix I think the most important gap in the corporate ecosystem. So first thing, Savita, first thing first, at least the intent is there. Like most organizations, you're right. It has become a buzzword, and most organizations need, you know, they feel that we need to be in the right and at least talk about it. Mm. So starting point is sorted, but you're right. The huge gap is between, you know, that uh, the first of all, the policies and their implementation. So for instance, like the way you mentioned that you had to take a break you know, during your pregnancy and that now even there are many organizations who are having supportive policies even around, you know, these sort of things. But the problem is in the implementation bit of things. Mm. So for instance, you may have noticed even uh, uh, most recently, it has been in the news as well, like paternity leave has become very popular, you know, many organizations are even introducing it in India, PNG, DRGO, to name a few, and even Indian firms like Zomato has also previously announced the paternity leave but the problem is and I did this survey also among the men in India and I found that you know though this policy is there but not many men are comfortable taking it so this policy then would remain on paper only right at the end of the day because what if, if a man doesn't if men don't avail of it and the most important bit here is Savita this the gap between a woman and a man's career starts when they welcome a child into their family and it's very important to break the caregiving model which is extra dependent on women and that can only happen when the the moment the baby arrives the man is also around because only then the man would know you know the nitty gritties of raising a kid because it's not just about breastfeeding it's about so many other things which yeah. even a man can do. It's just that we don't question that status quo currently. Yeah. So I think the, the the gaping gap, the huge gap is in the implementation of a bit of things. And how do we correct this? I think the most important thing is you need to be very objective in looking at data. That's the only way to solve for this. So for instance, if, if a particular policy, which is supporting diversity and inclusion mm-hmm. has been introduced in any organization, You have to track every quarter. How is it being implemented? Like, uh, like for instance, if in your organization, you knew that X number of men are having kids, you see what percentage of them are going for paternity leave. Yeah. and if they are not you need to have those bespoke conversations on what is the issue yeah. the another another gaping issue here is uh, savita the uh, you know unconscious bias that still exists mm-hmm. uh, in among you know many people at times people don't even know that they are operating from a position of bias True. It's only when you, you know, discuss with them, you tell them that okay, maybe this decision you took out of bias, and they reflect on it, they come to know. So maybe if a man, even if they want to take a leave, maybe their manager is so that they feel ki nahi promotion effect ho sakti hai ya bonus effect ho sakta hai, nahi You know what I mean? Your boss needs yeah. to be okay at the end of the day. Even if that organizational policy is there, if your boss is not supportive, you may not end up availing it. So these two gaps need to be corrected. One is, of course, the implementation, track it through data. Like data, just that's the success mantra, honestly, in this. And secondly, checking for the unconscious biases to that also, to correct that also, doing an organization-wide de-bias drive is very important. Mm -hmm. And that is, you know, major chunk of my book because I wanted to write something for corporate India. The second half of the book is actually focused on uh, is actually focused on how organizations can be a better uh, create a better gender neutral ecosystem for their employees for that I have defined this framework called the power punch framework Mm -hmm. which talks about the role each influencer can play in making sure that only merit is a demographic, you know, for determining how you perform on a job. You're not scared of things like gender, your marital status and stuff. Yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely. And I think you hit the nail on the head when you said it's execution. Now, I want to ask you on the flip side, uh, what's according to you has been the progress uh, that we made in this space because while it's easy to like brush it off as a buzzword the fact is there's a lot of awareness around it so where do you see the progress so
0: far let's say from you know even 10 years ago right so the progress is of course greatly there so first of all even this intent is a progress i would say yes because you know 10 years back even this intent was not there So at least getting the intent right is good. Then, of course, even from the side of the government, there is great progress in terms of some policy support, for instance, changing the Maternity Benefit Act to increase the maternity leave from uh, three months to six months is a great start, I feel. Uh, of course then companies act mandating that there has to be at least one woman on the board of directors that is also a good starting point Mm -hmm. this would ensure that at least you know a good quality of women are there across the corporate ladder for them to be able to join the boards of the companies so these are these are all good good uh, starting points I would say but then again Savita the progress is still you know there's a lot more to be done in the field especially in India our women labor force participation rate is distressingly low at 22 percent which is like you know less than half of the world's average countries like China are at 48 percent wow so just imagine like it's it's like the state of affairs still need a lot of improvement you mm-hmm. look at our Nifty fifty companies, the top fifty companies in India, and there is only one woman CEO, just one. Yeah. So this, I mean, the road is really long to cover, honestly. And I, I do hope that this book is able to bring you know that ta- tangible change somewhere. Mm-hmm. I was reading this uh, World Economic Forum's Gender uh, uh, Index report, mm-hmm. and Savita, it would take close to two sixty-eight years. Wow. To close the gap globally, wow. to close the gap in uh, economic participation and opportunity, which is like you know, women will take two sixty-eight years to be truly financially independent. To like say it in plain words, wow. so the work it's this huge amount of work we need to do, and I really feel that the sort starting with tracking execution mm-hmm. is the you know main uh, like the main uh, uh, nut in all, all of this we really need to start tracking the execution and talking about it so the more you talk about it the more conversations the more stories you put out there you're yeah. going to create like more and more women rainmakers i would say and this gap will surely improve
1: wow the statistics that you're sharing is quite scary you would think oh there's been a huge amount of progress but when you see the numbers it still shows that it's far slower and far um, the execution is far lower than what anyone would imagine it to be
0: so I do want to
1: ask you this Um, do you think we judge women more harshly than the men I think I know the answer but I just want to ask you have you
0: found that to be true factually true I think yeah the answer is like a resounding and a wholehearted yes on that that is so and it's not about just you know other people judging women like they self-critique a lot too obviously yes that is that is that is that that was the highlight when I started when I say that we need to get out of that multitasking mindset that we have because then we end up judging ourselves that that i'm not performing well at home i'm not performing well at work and we burn out in the process so a very simple thing i tell and that's what i implement even for myself i am like if my if if work and family can coexist for my husband why can't it coexist for me so it's it should never be a question of i am choosing one over the other so start treating your life key parallel track you know start accepting that fact that we need to move it on a parallel track and then you make very practical decisions around it and learn to delegate. Stop judging yourself like don't put too much pressure on yourself because more than other people's judgment I think it's our own which you know breaks us more.
1: Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. Stay tuned as we take a quick break and we'll see you on the other side of the show. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you because this is something that comes up when I'm coaching as well. Uh, This stark difference between men and women. Women are very hard on themselves. So they struggle with, uh, you know, the not just imposter syndrome, but also with the perfectionist kind of thing. And then there's a lot of guilt uh, because, you know, they feel like they're not paying enough attention. As a mother, anyway, we all carry a ton of guilt when we are working. And it's um, very interesting when you say this because until now in the podcast, until now, until like when I started, I used to ask my guests, how do you manage work and home, right? Especially for the moms. And at some point I said, hey, you know you can't be asking this question or because you never ask a guy how do you manage home and work right yeah. um, so I said okay I'm going to start asking the guys as well and see what the answer is because I I need to be uh, you know careful when I ask questions because I'm only asking the women this and we never think to ask a guy how do you manage right it's, it's not even like considered so moving on I want to ask you For business owners and startups who are just starting to build, I know we're talking about corporate India, but who are starting to build up teams, what are some things they should keep in mind to get this gender neutral, like to get the diversity right from the start and not like bring it in later when you realize, okay, we don't have enough gender. Right.
0: In fact, yeah, this this is a very important question. And I have covered this in my book. Also, I interviewed two entrepreneurs. One is Lizzie Chapman of Zest Money. Yes. The company has been do, doing really well. She just won an Economic Times Award as well. Mm-hmm. And the other is Naya Sagi of Baby Chakra, which was just uh, got acquired by Lamb and is a billion dollar plus valuation company now it just recently became a unicorn and interestingly the points that came from both their conversations was the first thing as a startup to get right is like on day one so the first thing uh, whether you're an entrepreneur or a leader first of all be very honest with yourself whether diversity and inclusion is important for you Mm -hmm. So I think getting that vision straight is very important because even in the most well-meaning of organizations where there may be policies, uh, even as a startup, let's say, if the leader does not give importance to diversity, it Mm -hmm. will not cascade down to the organization. Not much will happen in that organization. So I think first of all, as a leader or as an entrepreneur, Analyze whether diversity and inclusion is important for you. That's the first step. Be honest in the answer. If the answer is yes, of course, you're sorted and you're going to make like actual tangible efforts towards it. But if the answer is no here, I think what's again, what, what is very important is reading up on the area, because when we talk about diversity, we often look at it as like a charity thing. Hmm. it's like you know but not at all even in the book i approach it with a very business angle Hmm. i'm like it makes a lot of financial sense for an organization to invest into a diverse leadership brass because companies can perform savita as high as you know 46 percent higher on net profits if you have a more diverse set of leadership Uh, brass sitting in the organization so that that ought to motivate you right as an entrepreneur if like the right thing to do doesn't motivate you hardcore numbers will surely motivate you that this this is going to create a lot of value so that is one as an entrepreneur get that sorted first and I think the next step again here is making sure that the funnel of women so basically of course hiring Hiring needs to be maintained at a decent ratio, like for instance, Sudexo, another company that I closely Mm -hmm. interviewed for my book, and they are among the top ones when it comes to diversity and inclusion. Mm -hmm. So they did this study and they found out that a gender ratio in the range of where women are somewhere like up to 40-60%, anywhere in that range, the organization is bound to perform better on multiple parameters be it finances, be it, uh, you know, innovation, organizational safety, brand value, those sort of things. Mm-hmm. So make sure that you maintain this healthy ratio across the funnel. Yeah. Because most organizations, again, here the importance of data comes in. Many organizations say that we have a healthy diversity ratio. But mm-hmm. if you go down into the numbers, you'll realize that all these women are at junior roles. yeah, Or are in, you know, operational roles like that of front desk, receptionist, those sort of roles. Yeah. Now, diversity doesn't mean having women only at junior roles. Yeah. Diversity and inclusion needs to be looked at together, which means that you need to have women across the hierarchy uh at the time of hiring junior roles mid roles, senior roles so when you're starting up an organization hire right of course have a good balance of people who are coming into the organization yeah. do these de biased drives it's very important to invest into organization-wide de biased drives to ensure like the way you said even in interviews it has been noticed that to a woman you would ask questions like okay what are your family plans and mm. you know if yeah. you see that a woman is at a, is of a particular age yeah. now you may not know this consciously but subconsciously you may reject her because you may think she may you know plan a family soon and yeah. then maternity leave so these are all subconscious things so this de-biased drive investing into de-biased drives is very important mm-hmm. and of course thirdly maintaining a track of your high potential candidates Both men and women, even women, you need to keep a track of them and you need to see that whenever they need support, whether it's in terms of, you know, uh, raising kids or even aging parents, which can be something which both even a man and a woman could struggle with. So make sure that you have policies like proper policies like sabbatical, work from home to support them through their career journey. Don't be myoping to all the entrepreneurs out there. My most important key takeaway from these conversations was don't be myopic in your view mm. look at a person's career like a marathon like it's it's a career can span you know 30 to 40 years right true, true. and if you need support for maybe one or two years one or one or two years here and there be there for your employee mm. and you'll mm. see that how much value they can create for you true absolutely right
1: uh, i love uh, everything that you're sharing so much because Thank you one it's so on point these are things I spent 17 years in the corporate world actually so for me I I, I'm seeing all sides so I've been a a corporate uh, I worked in corporate I've run a business today and in between I had a phase when I was a homemaker so I've like been in every issue Uh, so I feel like all of this is so on point and it's resonating with me so much but I know that in your book you also say uh, you, you talk about what parents must do to help create assertive women right which is a very important conversation because where we struggle is we are either ends of the spectrum and sometimes uh, and a lot of times the balance which is not aggressive but not submissive but to be able to be assertive is really important it's a very cultural thing as well so what are some of your must-dos for parents I'm asking very selfishly because I have a girl child as
0: well for bringing up assertive women Actually, that has been such an important point in my book. So when I started my book, I was like, okay, maybe I'll only focus on working women and corporate side of things. Mm -hmm. And when I dig deep into it, I'm like, wow, in India, about 85% women are at home, like they are stay at home moms, they are homemakers. And, you know, as a species, we will not be respected if majority of us are not respected right so you may emancipate the 15% who are there in offices but if the majority are not valuing their contributions Mm -hmm. just imagine the kind of next generation we are going to raise yeah a strong woman is going or a strong man and a strong woman for that matter both together will raise you know strong kids be it a son or a daughter so that then that then became the starting point of my book I'm like no all of this has to start from a bringing We need to correct the chinks in upbringing. Now, our generation, you and I are like done with, we are more or less done, but Mm -hmm. we need to do a better job with our kids. So the first step is, of course, realizing that there are chinks in the upbringing. And for that, again, you know, like I said that for a leader, they need to be honest with themselves. Similarly, as individuals, as parents, as fathers and mothers, we need to be, first of all, be honest with ourselves. Because even, you know, uh, equality at home is also kind of a buzzword now because everybody is like okay be it a son or a daughter it's one and the same thing but just close yeah. your eyes and be honest with yourself that who do you tell ki, okay maybe who do you ask for help more often in the kitchen for instance yeah or tidying up the room smaller things you know tidying up the room uh, cleaning the house or you're trying to say okay you know you need to be more friendly And Mm -hmm. more like, just say, come across as somebody who's very nice and smiling all the time. Mm -hmm. And if the answer to that is, you know, more towards more to my daughter than my son, then maybe you're not being very equal in your upbringing. Maybe it's more perfunctory. It needs to be deeper. Mm -hmm. So I think the first thing is sorting this again, realizing here your own biases. That's the first step Mm -hmm. that are you maybe subconsciously biased somewhere? Yeah. And if the answer to that, of course, if, if it is no, then great. Means at least the starting point is sorted. Yeah. You are focusing on the same values while bringing up both your kids. Mm-hmm. But if the answer to that is yes, I think the first step is you pick up Awakening the Rainmaker and you will get that mentality sorted <laughs> okay. Okay. on a lighter note. Yes. But uh, if the answer to that is yes, then of course just reading up, talking around with people and like you know being on the same page that no maybe consciously let me make a conscious effort to at least give equal opportunities my kids when it comes to education and those things and even I'm raising a a daughter and you're right you know safety is something again I talk about equality not with a tinge of stupidity there like for instance be it even a son or a daughter Mm -hmm. I would not be comfortable sending a kid of either gender However old they may be at, let's say, midnight on the roads, True. right? Mm-hmm. So you need to be cognizant of the practical realities around you. When I talk about equality, I'm talking about equality in opportunity. Like give both your kids equal opportunities in learning. Like if your daughter wants to pursue the STEM, like science, technology, engineering, medicine, yeah. or if she wants to go into karate, yeah. or if your son is interested into performance arts, yeah. or cooking any of these things let them pursue their passions like let them uh you know discover themselves don't define okay. them don't limit them by the gender template of society okay. but when it comes to matters of the safe of safety of course be practical yes. so equality needs to be you need to look at it from a very practical standpoint here okay. and by equality i mean give them the freedom to pursue whatever they want to do without any judgment mm. You know, give them a very good be be a sounding board for them, but don't put binders on them because of their gender. Hmm. So th- that that's what I propagate. Uh, if, like I prop I propagate the gender neutral upbringing way. That is what I mean mean by that. And okay. again, if you see, Savita, I'm being very practical with the Indian realities here. Yeah. Right. I'm not telling you. Okay, let us just. It's okay. Let. let of course, in an ideal world, that's how. It should be like anybody should be free to roam around at whatever time they want. Yeah. But till then, like till the society is not mature enough, Yeah. you you at least be practical in your standpoint. True. So, so yeah, uh, that's great, the great gender tips. neutral bringing bit of it. Yeah. So great tips on that.
1: And I want to now bring it back uh, to you and the book writing process. So talk us through your book writing process because I think... It's kind of different for everyone. It is challenging. That is uh, true. But then what was your uh, process?
0: So the genesis of the book came. Of course, the motivation was when I was pregnant, I I thought that... So I had a motivation to write this book because I wanted to make things better for all the women out there and especially for Indian women. I wanted to do something. And even when I started writing... uh, uh, even I didn't know that there's a difference between like on the surface I knew okay self publishing versus being you know published by yeah. a publication house there yeah. is a whole research that had to go into that mm-hmm. and uh, I think to all the uh, budding authors out there it's very important of course to have a write- good manuscript in place mm-hmm. and especially when you're writing a non-fiction the way I did I think I wanted to make it as practical as possible, as relatable. Mm -hmm. So I included a lot of case studies. Now there are these... And of course, all these women who are interviewed in the book, who are among the 50 most powerful from Forbes and Fortune. Mm -hmm. These are there, but there were around 100 more interactions that I had on a no-names basis, which have been included in the form of case studies in the book. Which people from all, all all the stratas, you know, even in tier two, tier three towns will relate to it. Okay. And will be able to uh, pursue their passions in whatever way and form. Mm-hmm. So I think that was very important. So in the writing process, I think it's very important to be able to relate to what you're writing and to see that you're solving a problem. It is going to do some good mm-hmm. to someone. That was the motivation to start with. Then secondly, then came the in, came that entire process of uh, sending across proposals to the publication houses, because not many authors know that, but it's mm-hmm. not like you start sending the whole manuscript to publication houses. True, true. There is a proper process of writing a proposal, mm-hmm. uh, you know, talking about the synopsis of the book, giving a chapter outline, giving some sample excerpts from the book, which you think are the most punchy uh, pieces. Mm-hmm. And then uh, another important thing is you talk about the audience of the book like mm. as an author show clarity that i wrote this for whom did i write this yeah that yeah. i think gives a lot of uh, clarity of thought even to the publisher that wow this author has put you know great effort into conceptualizing this whole work mm. so luckily for me even when i was during the when i was writing this book there were many people who questioned me oh you know why write a book this is a topic often talked about like who will publish this book but no. Savita, to my, uh, I would say like good validation of the work that I have done, and this field notes needs so much talking about. My proposal was accepted by three large publication houses. and I finally chose to go ahead with Bloomsbury because I think it was a little bit of a fan moment inside of me Mm -hmm. also because I'm a great Harry Potter fan okay so I'm like wow to be published by Bloomsbury it's like a great uh, yay moment for me like a kid-like moment for me too so for all the authors out there clarity of thought on what you're writing who's your audience Mm -hmm. approaching the publishers with a very well thought out and a crisp proposal Mm -hmm. And of course, once it gets uh, like selected, then uh, for a moment, just celebrate your victory and then again, get into the groove of, you know, making sure that your work reaches more and more people like I am doing with you. (laughs) Yes, but
1: you've done such a great job. And I really liked your pitch, which is what I said when we started,
0: right? So what's next for you, Nishtha? So next is, of course, for these few months, I want to focus on this book and I, I, because I genuinely believe that this can do a world of good. So I, as an author, I'm very invested in making sure that it reaches more and more people mm-hmm. and across, across, you know, this across societal levels, like you may be from a tier two, tier three town or you may be a work work uh, like a stay at home mom or a working yeah. professional i want this book to have maximum penetration and i think somewhere beyond that i want to uh, further the work into diversity and inclusion field in india like i want to be that practical thought leader mm-hmm. and i've already taken that next step for instance i'm already doing these uh, transformation project with some organizations okay. who are rightly focused on the dni path Mm -hmm. And I'm helping them to the gap that I mentioned, right, between policy and implementation. Mm -hmm. So I'm really helping them to close that gap. So yeah, one reader at a time and one organization at a time. Awesome, but
1: I love that. And I do want to ask you, as we come to the end of the interview, I have two more questions for you. One is what's your mantra in life? Like, how do you keep going? And uh, because it's not easy to hold down a job, be a parent, uh, to have this. And I think book writing does take a certain amount of focus, commitment, time. Um, Right. So what's your mantra for uh, getting
0: through everything? So I think that my most... Uh, my my mantra is: you just awaken the rainmaker in you and stop judging yourself and just delegate without guilt. Mm-hmm. That is the most important thing and the most practical advice I can give to me, both men and women out there. Okay.
1: And my next question was going to be your advice to all the women because we have a very large, almost. Uh, actually, today I was just looking at the numbers. about eighty five percent plus is mostly women who listen to our uh, podcast. Um, we do have hundred and seventy k plus uh, size as our audience. But to all the women who are listening to you speak right now, what's a piece of advice or an insight uh, that you'd like to leave the audience with?
0: I think the most important piece of advice I would like to leave uh, I would like them to uh, do is, start questioning things around you. Like if you're not happy with certain things, like stop taking things at face value. Mm. Unless you ask, things will not change so start asking and and you'll be surprised by the kind of support you can get and i'll just give you a small example here i talked about baby chakra right naya naya Saghi's venture so she said we had a uh, we have something known as uh, mom stars on their platform on the baby chakra platform so she said that there's this lady who was among our star performers and the star member of the community and there was like a big cnbc shoot and she had to come from her hometown to Mumbai for a shoot now this was a wow moment for her but she's like no I can't come because it's a working day and I have a kid in the home and these people and she it didn't even occur to her that she can ask her husband to take you know a leave for that one day and that's what the baby chakra team did they're like you know why don't you ask your husband it's just one day maybe he can manage those things around and she did and he agreed Mm -hmm. So it's, it's these easy things in life, which can really make our lives easy, easier. So even if you're like a stay at home mom, a housewife, a corporate woman, or somebody who's because with the power of digital media, there are so many solopreneurs and, uh, you know, digital entrepreneurs who are out there. So if you if you're struggling with something, please open up and ask for help, ask for support. And you will surely get it, you will be surprised by the kind of support you can get. Yeah,
1: that's fantastic advice. Ask for support. I feel like women don't ask enough and that's great advice. Thank you so much for that. Now, Before we let you go, uh, please share with us how we can get your book. How do we connect
0: with you? How do we find you? So yeah, so the book is already open for Kindle pre-orders and uh, the link is there in the description. Yeah, that would be great. Otherwise, it's going to hit the stores beyond Amazon and any other digital platform goes by Awakening the Rainmaker 18 December onwards. Mm -hmm. And of course, you can follow me on LinkedIn, on Instagram, on Facebook to get like good updates and daily dose of motivation and Uh, I'm also very actively doing this ask me anything sessions for women so that they can also get that easy dose of motivation and help. So, yeah, uh, reach out to me uh, whenever you're struggling with something. Sure. Thank you so much.
1: For our audience, we are going to be dropping all the links with the episode notes. So look out for that. And of course, reach out to Nishta if you have any questions, want to connect with her on all of the platforms. And thank you so much for being here with us today. I I enjoyed this conversation and I'm looking forward to getting my hands on your book. And uh, yeah, I hope it takes off and I hope many people really find value learn from it and I feel organizations should have it as a handbook in their company and apply it more importantly apply it so thank you for the work that you do and thank you for being here today
0: thank you so much Savita I really enjoy talking to you same here
1: bye bye thank you for listening to the podcast if you like this episode and you want more you can go to the show notes on my website which is successwithsavita.com forward slash podcast If you like what you've heard so far, I would be grateful to you if you could leave me a five-star review, subscribe to this podcast and share with a friend who may find this useful. You can also follow me on my Instagram at successwithsavita and DM me any questions you may have and I will be happy to answer them for you. Until the next episode, believe in yourself and all the best to your success.